Lord has been doing this, um, this work in my heart that this past, the past season where th- this idea of, of yielding to the Lord, is, it just keeps coming up in, in my life, specifically in, in letting God just have God's way in my life. But, but not just letting God have God's way, but, but me wanting God to have God's way. And there's a difference in that, right? Where, where, where God's working and you kind of begrudgingly move into it. And there's a difference when, when, when you come and you go, God, whatever it is that you want, that's what I want. And God's just been kind of unlayering all this, this stuff in my heart. And the reality is that, that there are some times in life where it's just really easy to yield, right? Yielding this, this idea of, of letting someone else you know, go first, letting someone else's way take priority. And there's some times in life where it's easy to yield. Let's not even talk about like in church world. Think about just in all of, of life. Sometimes it's easy to yield. How many of you guys have been whitewater rafting before? A few of you. Yeah, I remember when I was in high school and my youth pastor, my younger brother, and some of my good friends, we went to the Ocoee. And if you haven't been, go. It's amazing. And, 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 and we're there and, and we show up and we get in this boat in this river that we've never been on before. And, and the reality is that the guide who's in the back has all the knowledge, right? They, they know where the, the, the tough terrain is. They know where the rapids are. They know where if you get in the right spot, you're going to get sh- just shot through this and it's going to be a blast. And they also know the places that are dangerous. And the reality is that those of us who are holding paddles, we're not under the impression that we know better than the guide, right? And so it's easy to yield. It's, it's easy to be like, all right, paddle. I'll paddle. Yes, I'll do what you tell me to do, right? There are times in life where, where it's easy to yield. I, I see this in my kids where, where there are times where I'm like, hey, Finley, will you, will you do this? And she does it and, and she doesn't fuss and she doesn't put up a fight. She just does it. And I'm like, yes, like that's what I'm talking about. And she's like, you're crazy, dad. And I'm like, no, you're crazy. Cause most of the time you don't obey like that. And, and when you do, I want to celebrate it. And I want you to know that, that I'm pleased with you when you're willing to yield. Right in this morning, I just, I kept thinking about the, the, the birth of Jesus and as I was reading the, the, the story of Jesus coming into our world, Matthew 1 and 2, Luke chapter 1 and 2, go and read it sometime in the next few weeks. It's the story of Jesus coming into our world. And I just kept seeing that, that theme of what God is looking for to bring his son and to bring salvation to the ends of the earth are people who are willing to yield to the Lord. Like that is it. God's looking for people who are are willing to yield their lives to the Lord, to his words and to his will and to his plans. And so you you go back and you read the story and and even before Jesus shows up, you read about Zechariah and Elizabeth and Luke chapter one describes them as as people who were blameless in the sight of God. They were righteous. They they kept the Lord's decrees wholeheartedly. And then the very next line in Luke chapter one, it says, and yet they were without child and they were old. And you, know, you keep reading in Luke chapter one and what you discover is, that, is that, that despite this heartache, despite longing for this kid, they kept pressing into the Lord. They kept walking faithfully and the Lord looked at them and said, you're blameless. And because they yielded to the Lord, even when they weren't getting what their hearts really wanted, because they kept walking with the Lord, there was fruit. They got to be a part of bringing Jesus into the world. Or you see this in Mary right? The mother of Jesus. And you think about like all of you who are girls, you, you think about this, you, you grow up and, and, and think about what life is like when you're young. You're like dreaming about all the things that you want to do in life, right? Like where you going to go to college and, and the friends that you're going to make in the city that you're going to live in. And then God shows up one day and says, Mary, I want you to bring the son of God into the world. And just think about what that would have been like for her. 
And I love her response as she says, I am the Lord's servant. Whatever you want, God, like my plans are on hold. My hand, you can have my plans. I want what you want. And because she said, God, I'm your servant, she got to bring the son of God into the world. Or you think about her husband, Joseph, and, and Mary and Joseph have the talk and, and Mary's like, hey, Joseph, I'm pregnant. And he's like, not by me, right? Like, and, and, and so he's, he, he's going just like any of us would. Like, you've, you've been unfaithful. You've, you've cheated on me. And so he's made up in his mind to divorce her quietly. And he goes to bed that night and the Holy Spirit speaks to him. God shows up in his dreams and says, Joseph, this is actually from me. And I want you to, to take her to be your wife. And Joseph yields to the Lord. You just see this over and over and over again that the thing that God wants to use to bring his glory, to bring his son, to bring salvation to the ends of the earth is someone who's willing to yield to the Lord's plans that says, Lord, you know better than me. I will follow you, Lord. And I see this in so many of you. You know, I think about Emily. I think about Ty and Dolly and what they're doing. You know, many of you don't know this. There's so many refugees that have fled to, to Nashville. And Emily, you know, could live anywhere she wanted. She made the choice, hey, I'm gonna live right in the middle of a community of refugees. To love, to serve, to be a friend, to learn, that, that she planted herself right in the middle of it. Ty and Dolly lead a house church where, where the whole purpose of their house church is to gather around refugees to make them feel at home in Nashville. And I'm going, man, you talk about a, a harder life, a life that is yielded to the Lord. I see it in Deb. I wish Deb was here this morning. I don't see her. What I love about Deb, if you don't know her, is that she's just this woman that over and over and over again says, God, whatever you want, I'm going to yield to you. And I could do this for, for so many of you in this room. That the thing that God's looking for is a life that's yielded to the Lord. And so we're in this Advent season where we're looking at, at these four different characteristics of what we desire to have as followers of Jesus, of, of hope and love and peace and joy. And today we're really gonna anchor down in, in this idea of joy. And it's really funny, you know, I don't know if you guys have the, the Bible app, but literally the passage of today is a passage that we're gonna be in today. I saw that and I'm like, okay, Lord, come on. What are you doing here? And so uh, James chapter one, verse two. This is what James writes, the brother of Jesus. He says, consider it pure joy. James chapter one, verse two, if you're using one of our Bibles, 847, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, no, mature and complete, not lacking anything. Consider it pure joy. You know, I think this morning, the thing that the Lord was stirring in my heart is that he's inviting us to be people who yield to the Lord specifically in regards to this passage of scripture. I don't know what you think about when, when you think about joy, right? But I was imagining the, the original audience that James is writing to, and, and he's writing to, to scattered, persecuted Christians all over the world. And this is how he starts his letter to them. Go and read the end of... Hebrews chapter 11, and you get a little taste of what Christians were experiencing in the first century. Um, they, were, they were being tortured. They were being flogged. They were being in prison. They were being put to death by stoning. They were literally sawed in two. Um, they were mistreated. They wandered in deserts. They lived in caves and in holes in the ground. And, and this is what Hebrews chapter 11 says that life was like for many people. And, and, and this is how James starts his letter. You would think with, with an audience like that in mind who are being severely persecuted, he would look at them and say, you know, Logan, just hold on. Like heaven is coming, Sarah, hold on. I know life is hard. I know you're 
living in a hole in the ground. I know your aunt just got stoned to death, but, but hold on. And yet, that's not the words that James uses from the Holy Spirit to, to God's people. He looks at those people who are facing immense persecution and suffering, and he says, consider it joy. I love that he says, consider it pure joy when you face various trials, right? Because what that encompasses is so much more than just persecution. Like the, the majority of us, I don't know if any of us are being persecuted right now. Maybe you are in some regard. And so this text is, is much bigger than that. He's not just talking about persecution. He's talking about the, the trials that each of us face. And so the big things and the small things. And so think about some of the trials that are in your life right now. And sometimes when we think about the, the greater church and their persecution, we're ten, we tend to undermine our own things and we're like, man, we shouldn't, we shouldn't even be worried about the stuff that are going on. No, you're going through real things too. And it might not be a big thing like people in Iran are going through, but you're going through trials as well. You don't have to undermine those or dismiss those. I go, for some of you, the trials that you're, you're going through right now are about your friends. Maybe you just lost a friend. Or maybe one of your friends has, has kind of pulled back from you and you can't figure out why. For some of you, the trial that you're facing maybe is with, at work where, where your boss is just so harsh and rude, where you always have more to do than you have time to do it, where you're, you're always overlooked and underappreciated. Some of you, maybe it's at work with your coworkers that, that your coworkers are conniving and manipulative. Some of you, maybe the trial that you're facing is at home, that you're going, man, you come home every day to a room at that is hard to live with. Where you come home and, and, and you live by yourself and you go, man, I just so badly wish I had a roommate or I wish I had a spouse. Maybe your troubles are at home because your, your spouse is condescending. Your spouse is unsupportive. Maybe you're struggling to have kids or you're struggling to raise kids. Maybe your, your, your trial in life right now is, is, is mental. At this time of year, especially the depression and the anxiety just seems to, to creep back in. Or maybe it's physical. Maybe you live with chronic pain that no one else knows about. Maybe that's your trial right now. Or maybe it's just the problems that, that, are, are, that each of us face. It's, a, it's another leaky faucet. It's another flat tire. It's another problem with the car. And I go, how easy is it when these trials come into our life for us to complain? And I'm not pointing a finger. I'm going, I am like the chief complainer. I go, do, do we complain or do we consider our trials? Pure joy. Now, don't hear me say, hey, Sherry, when, when things are going on, just put on a smile and just pretend like nothing's going on. Like pretend like everything's okay. I'm not saying that. Right, I, we, we look at Jesus and, and you look at his life and he faced so many trials. His family didn't understand him. He had flaky friends. He was this phenom with this huge fan base and this huge following. And then he ends his life with, with no money, with no retirement, with, with, with nothing to show it. He's alone on a cross and, and labeled by the world as a failure. And we look at Jesus and, and, and nowhere in scripture do you see Jesus going, woe is me. And we also don't see Jesus after Judas betrayed him or after he's hanging on the cross. We don't see him in that moment with a smile on his face going, Jesus, you're our father. You're so awesome. Thank you for this. See, I'm not inviting us into this, this fake life, this, this un, uh, unrealistic picture of what it means. But what you do see Jesus doing is you see him going to the father and saying, Father, not my will, but yours be done. 
You see him in John chapter 17 saying, Father, glorify your son. Lift me up, strengthen me, Father, so that I can glorify you. See him in Hebrews chapter 12 say that the joy set before Jesus, he endured the cross. You see, what we learn in Jesus is that, that no matter what came his way, he knew his father was with him. And he knew that, that what his father said of him was true, that, that the moment he got baptized, before he had done anything, the father spoke, said, you are my son, whom I love. With you, I'm well pleased. So we could face the hard things. And, and, and we can face the hard things. You see, we learn from Jesus to, to consider. He, it said that he endured the cross with joy. We learn from Jesus. It's not unattainable to go through the hard things in life with joy. And, and we do this just like Jesus. We, we go through the trials because we know that the Father is with us. We know the Father is with us in the hard stuff. We, we, we know, and this is super important, that, that we know that our trials are not a testament to how God feels about us. Do you ever wonder, like when, when, when trials are coming to your life, do you ever go, you probably don't do this because you're more spiritual than me, but do you ever go, why is this happening to me? Am I doing something wrong? Like, is God frustrated? Like, do you ever wrestle with those questions when, when like thing after thing just starts to unravel around you? And so often we try to extrapolate how God feels about us based upon what's happening to us. Jesus didn't do that, right? His, 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 his following's dwindling. He's dying on a cross. He's unwavering. He knows what the father thinks about him. I was even thinking about the Israelites in, in Genesis chapter 15 when, when God comes to Abraham and Sarah and he says, I'm gonna bless you. And I'm gonna bless the whole world through you. And right out of his mouth comes this. And for 400 years, your people are gonna live in slavery. And it's like, man, God, if, if you know these things are coming, why not prevent them? Why, do you, why not take it around that? Why, why do these things have to come? And I'm not here to, to, to explain why hard things come into our life, but I'm here to tell you that, that God so often wants us to, to know that he is with us in them and that we should not base our feelings about how God feels about us based upon the things that we're going through in life. And I want us to understand this. When trials come, how do we consider it pure joy? How could we possibly look at the hard things that are coming into our lives and considering it pure joy? I love what Romans chapter eight, verse 28 teaches us. It says that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. That no matter what the, the thing that is in, in front of you, the thing that feels unsurmountable, that God is, is going to take it and he's gonna work it for his good. And it might not even be this side of heaven that you get to see that. What I'm not saying is that when hard things come our way, we have to, to, to pretend to be like emotionless, right? Man, when, when Lazarus died in John chapter 11, Jesus wept. When hard things come into your life, it's okay to feel what you're feeling. You know, yesterday we, were, we live in Mount Julia and there was a Christmas parade and found out last night that a boy fell off a float and he got run over and he died at the parade yesterday. And the dad was driving the, the car that ran over his own son. And Cord texted me that last night. She, or she texted me that the, the kid had passed away and I just fell on my knees and started weeping. 
And it's okay to be sad when trials come in our lives. And you don't have to pretend like, like, like everything is okay because sometimes things are not okay. But we learn from Jesus that, that you keep going in these things. And even in your grieving, you keep going because you know that God gets the final word in it. And so often all we can see is a trial right in front of us. That's all we can see. We're so short-sighted and, and God sees the fuller picture. And God says, Leah, no matter what's going on in your life, you can only see this blimp and it feels like hell right now. But I'm gonna use this for my glory and for your good. And so it's God's people. When hard things come into our life, when trials come, man, we, we grieve. We take them into our community. We talk about them. But we know that God's gonna use it for his glory. We know that God gets the final say in this. Um, we know that God is continuing to work for our good and his glory. I'm convinced that, that most of us don't realize the power that we have. That, that most of us, you know, this is what, what John the Apostle wrote in 1 John chapter four. He says, greater is he who's in you than he's in the world. And I'm convinced that, that so much of the things that come into our lives are just, are just from the enemy. To, to steal and to kill and to destroy, that's his work in John 10 that Jesus lets us in on. And I'm convinced that so often what the enemy does is he comes after us, he comes after you, Lauren, with a trial. And, and, and so often what happens is that, is that we lean into it. And we let him take us down. And the Lord was reminding me about like jujitsu. And I don't do jujitsu. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right. But, but, but what it is, is it's a martial art where, where you use the opponent's strength and momentum against them. So your opponent comes at you and instead of you exerting strength, you just step out of the way and you push them down with their own strength. You use their own momentum against them. And I'm convinced that God is inviting us to be some Christian, Christian jujitsu. Like he's, he's inviting us to step into the, the things that the enemy is trying to do to destroy us and to bring us down and to keep us down. That if we will only take those and go, you know what? This trial is in my life. And instead of, of, of going, man, woe is me and how terrible. Instead of just staying in that place of hopelessness, we go, even though this thing is coming, we know that our God has proven over and over and over and over and over again to bring beauty out of ashes, to bring his glory out of the brokenness, to work his beauty in things that we can never even imagine. And so it's God's people. We say, God, we trust you. And we're not quitting. And we're holding on to you, Jesus. And we're holding on to your promises, not our feelings. And we're not going to keep leaning into the enemy. He's not gonna have his way with us anymore. That when trials come, we deflect, we lean into people, we consider it pure joy because God's developing something in you. And you see what happens when, when we learn to embrace this life? Any of us can praise God when things are good. But when we learn to trust God and praise God in the storms and the hard stuff of life, it bears witness to our world that King Jesus is actually real and he's actually real in us. One of my buddies, he's, he, he moved to the Middle East and he's a, or he moved to actually to Greece and um, he's working with so many refugees that ha are fleeing the Middle East to, to Greece. And he got to know this one man 
and this um, man who converted from Muslim to, to Christianity. And this guy is from Iran. And so every week he arranges this phone call where he, he Skypes in with 12 people that he's discipling, 12 Christians in, in Iran. And there's this one woman in particular. And, and, and she's, um, she's just this outspoken follower of Jesus that she's found Christ and she wants to tell everyone about it. And so her, her friends are like, hey, you, we're, we're in Iran. You can't just share Jesus publicly and openly. You're gonna get, you're gonna get killed. You're gonna get thrown in prison. And my friend, he told me that, this email, he said that, that this woman said, I'd consider it a joy to die for Jesus, to die for my king. And there's something about just reading that email that goes, man, when, when people can stay true to the king in the midst of trials, when there's a joy in the midst of trials, it bears witness to Jesus like nothing else can. And so this morning, what I want us to do is I want us to practice this. Um, I know this is gonna stretch some of you and that's okay. I'm, I'm gonna invite us to get into groups of three or four. I invite you to, to get in groups of three or four because if we get any bigger, someone won't be able to share or, or contribute. And so um, I'm not gonna go around and monitor it, but we get in groups of three or four. And here's what I wanna invite you to do. I wanna invite you to, to share your trials. And I just wanna say this, that, that you don't have to have it all together here. And this is a place that you can share your real trials. Man, maybe you have a relational strain in your family. Or maybe it's something financial. Or, or, or maybe it's something psychological. And I invite you this morning to share trials. And, and the reality is that some of you come in this morning and you're not facing any trials, but there's someone in your life that really is. And so this morning we're going to get in groups. I invite you to, to share your trials. The second thing I'm going to invite us to do is to, to pray for each other. This is what Paul tells us in Philippians chapter four. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation with prayer and petition, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so in our groups this morning, after we share our trials, we're gonna pray for each other. We're gonna pray, God, would you give Gerald strength for the trial that he's going through? Would you help him to be true to you no matter what he's, he's going through? And then the third thing that I'm gonna invite us to do, so we're gonna share trials, we're gonna pray, and the third thing I'm gonna invite us to do is I'm gonna invite you to thank God for how he's gonna use your trial for his glory. I know sometimes we pray for things that we don't fully believe, and you might not even feel that in your heart this morning, but praying, it helps us take a step to that becoming our reality. So this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna break up in, in, into groups of three or four for the next you know, eight or 10 minutes. And I'd love for us to, to share our trials and to pray, to be real. So let's let each other in. Let's do this. And I'll get back up in a few minutes, close this out, send us to community. Does this sound good? I know it's uncomfortable, it's hard, right? It's easier sometimes just to come and to listen. But this is where I, I believe that the spirit of God just fully descends and works. And so let's share.